Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Remember that it's it's not you versus them, it's you and them versus the problem. Mm -hmm. And you have to communicate that to them too. If you start off saying, it's uh, like, I told you so, see, that's why we don't run. You're just reinforcing this me versus you dynamic. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Today, I am sitting with Mr. Chaz. His mission is to help adults truly see, guide, and trust children. He is pushing the needle a little closer towards world peace with his approach. Mr. Chaz is a consultant, parent coach, conscious discipline practitioner, podcaster, and content creator. And he goes by Mr. Chaz, and he even has a song to prove it. Today, we are talking about why is it so hard for male partners to express their emotions? How do we actually do this thing like breaking generational cycles? What does it mean to show up as a conscious, gentle parent and to tackle those parent-child dynamics in a different way? And Mr. Chaz also answers the question, what is the difference between attention-seeking behaviors and connection-seeking behaviors? Let's go into today's episode. I would love to just hear more about your story. And I, I what I, what I'm always so fascinated about being able to sit with people. And I mean, it's just such a privilege. And and you you do the podcasting too, right? So I can only imagine podcasting through your social media space. Like you've you've met with so many great people who are changing really what we're doing today in our parenting space. But I'm just so curious, what was that moment for you that you said, I want to do, I want to reach more people. I want to share this message bigger. Oh man. So I don't think there was just one moment. I think there are lots of moments where it kind of uh, started to be like, I want to share this more and more and more. I mean, I started off like really kind of in a Montessori classroom, really not knowing what to do and how to handle behaviors and how to handle conflict. And I struggled a lot in the beginning. Um, and I didn't really have a lot of people who were super ready to support me in the very beginning. Uh, the culture of early childhood is just kind of like, you're here one day, you're gone the next. So there's kind of a lot of turnover there. Um, but over time, I one, just kind of searched and kind of found mentors and really just did a lot of learning on my own. Um, because even the people who were around me did 
the way that they were doing things were not the way that I wanted to do them. I didn't want to use a lot of uh, fear-based methods um, that were being used around me. And so I was like, there's got to be a better way. And so I went on and like listening to podcasts, reading books and, and, and listening to books and really trying to apply it. And over time, I just kind of improved, improved, improved throughout making a bunch of mistakes um, and learning from those mistakes. And then I just kind of just started to share my, the lesson that I learned in the break room, which is very casual because teachers were coming up to me. I tend to just, they're kind of giving me the, the kids that had a hard time in other classrooms were coming in my classroom and being successful. So teachers were asking me about how, you know, how I was doing it and just trying to ask for advice for the things that they were going through. So then I became an educational specialist where that actually became my role. Um, I was doing that a while and my role was to go to different schools and classrooms and support children and directors and families and teachers. Um, so the pandemic happened and then everything really started to change. And I was like, man, I remember how much I struggled when I like I was faced with all these challenges and didn't know what to do. Um, and so I just kind of want to share these lessons online and just kind of share my journey in hopes that maybe people can learn from uh, the lessons I learned in my stories and maybe they can make a little bit less mistakes along the way where they can kind of almost shortcut to where I ended up getting to. Um, and so I just start to share messages through TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and that turned into the podcast because I wanted to uh, just dive deeper into the nuance and also, uh, you know, share resources to help people on their journey. Because again, that was something that I kind of struggled with to find people who were, you know, were talking about this because in my immediate community, it wasn't, people weren't really into healthier ways to discipline and to guide children. So that's what I tried to do with my podcast, introduce you to new resources so that you can, you know, listen to the podcast and if someone really resonates with you, they can be a part of your journey um, and help you along. Um, as you learn and grow and make mistakes too. I think that is so powerful. Just this idea of this knowledge translation, right? You're taking this experience inside of you, what you're doing day to day, and then reaching so many more people and then helping them on their journey. And, and I love what you said about, you know, you didn't, that, that fear base didn't feel good. And it's interesting for myself as a parent that in these moments, what I start to hear in these moments of big emotions that arise from my children, I start to hear the old stuff that shows up, the old stuff that we heard as children. That is what our parents knew at the time. And there is no parent blaming here. Parents did the best that they could with the information that they had. And now this information has changed. We have so much more available to us. But it's so fascinating because in those moments, I can hear it in my brain, I can hear it in my mind. And if I don't slow down, that's going to be the first thing that pops out of me, which often comes from that fear and shame-based place, right? So I can only imagine then for you in this place you're working of like, yes, I hear that. That doesn't work for me. And I actually want to do something different. I have to, I have to jump right into the crux of what the people in my community struggle with. Mr. Chaz, which is that most of my listeners are women and most of them are in heterosexual relationships. And the common complaint I hear is, why doesn't my husband share his emotions with me? 
Why do I not see and understand anything that's happening inside of him? And I know you've talked yeah. about this several times yeah. before. Yeah. And you know, that is something that a lot of men struggle with, something that I've struggled with and I've had to kind of work through. And, you know, if we do some perspective taking and just kind of think about from the time that we're very young boys receive a certain set of messages and not to say that, you know, girls also receive messages too that are unhelpful and, and potentially harmful. But a lot of the messaging that we receive as boys are, you know, it's not okay to have emotions. It's not okay to express emotions. If you do, then you're weak. Um, and this, we hear this from, lots of different places we we get this from our media we get this from a lot of times our our parents we get it a lot of times from our peers um and so we have a lot of practice really suppressing and pushing down our emotions and not showing our emotions um and especially when it comes to i know you're talking about relationships but it shows up every like it shows up in all of our relationships it shows up in our spousal relationships it shows up in our parent-child relationships it shows up in our friendships um and you know the way that it you know so you're the example of of, of in a partner spousal relationship it might be we might be feeling an emotion but we push it down or we'll act it out and you know i think i think men and women and not even just men and women i think people in general have a tendency to deal with their emotions in their own way um but if you're not learning how to actually acknowledge that emotion actually deal with it and, and you're just suppressing it that emotion is actually really almost controlling you um, because you don't know how to deal with it. Um, and so it's really hard for men to all of a sudden switch up. Like our whole lives, we've been suppressing it, pushing down the emotion, you know, getting really good at at, at maybe trying to be logical because we can't be emotional because we're told emotions are bad. And then we become, you know, an adult who is in charge of caring for a young child who is like 90% emotions, right? Or we're in a relationship over in a relationship where emotions are really important to talk about because on the other side of feelings and emotions are solutions you know if we can uh take the time to actually talk about them but it's really hard to just make that switch Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com 
ZocDoc.com slash I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using loop engage to help dampen the sound around me and these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation i still hear greg i can still hear the kids i love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. It's interesting, right? That the boy, a man, lives his whole life being told, don't feel, don't feel, don't feel. And then oftentimes, I mean, there are lots of feelings, right? And then so also too, what do we do? We suppress it. But we know anger doesn't work when you suppress it. It's going to boil out in some way. And then this moment happens where you're in relationship and this person is saying to you, tell me how you feel. I just want to know you. Like, what are you thinking? And it's like, I have to completely rewire this. And how 
do I actually do that? And it feels really awkward. It yeah. feels really awkward to, you know, for the, and anytime you're doing something new, um, it's going to feel a little awkward. I mean, I'm even sure for those who just, you know, if you just started your gentle, conscious, whatever parenting journey, responding in a different way, not just reacting can sometimes mm-hmm. feel awkward. And it takes time, but it also takes, it also takes buy-in to decide. It takes commitment to decide, hey, I'm going to do this thing that is going to feel awkward at first, but I know that this is something important for me to do. It's important for me to kind of embark on this journey and try to grow in this way. And that's tough. So hard. I, and I like what you're saying right there is just this idea of having a commitment towards that, right? That there is something on the other side. If you do that, if you share your heart, emotions and feelings, something else could come out of that. So you you talk about breaking these generational cycles, right? Which is that when I hear the kind of shame-based internal dialogue that has been passed on from family member to family member to family member of I don't know, what's a quick example of like, you know, you should have known better um, or we can go bigger, right? But why is it so hard for us to do this? Why is it so hard for us it's, to break these cycles? Yeah, and you so, I was just having uh, this conversation even just with a coworker the other day. Um, and, you know, we were talking about how like this stuff is programmed into us. Uh, it's not even as simple as like, Yes, the commitment is a part of it. Awareness is a part of it, but that's really only the first part of it. Because when we're young, what the way that we're treated, the way that we're responded to, the way we're, that we're reacted to, gets programmed into us. It becomes a part of us. Mm. Um, and so it's, you know, I practice something called conscious discipline. And in conscious discipline, we refer to this as our CD-ROM that just kind of just, starts repeating over and over again now to kind of modernize that analogy a little bit it's more like the playlist that we have uh over and over again right it's the same songs that we that was put on our playlist that we weren't really you know Mm. conscious of or didn't really have a choice of and now we're as adults and we have more of an ability to kind of create our own playlist but those old playlists are still always going to pop up. Um, and to go even a little deeper into this analogy, when you even think about like uh, songs, right? It's almost like that the way that songs are ingrained in your brain, it's like the same way that those old phrases, right? If I if I said to you, to the window, a lot of people are going to say, to the wall, right? <laughs> right? Or, or even, or twinkle, twinkle, little, right? star right that's what comes up it, like you've heard it so many times it's mm. almost programmed into you and when those situations come up when you feel disrespected you know that don't talk back to me like that just comes up uh just like as our default just like twinkle twinkle little star does um or mary had a little right um, right so this stuff is programmed into us and we just and we have to it takes a lot of work and time they kind of unlearn that and create a new CD-ROM, a new playlist, or at least add some new songs to the playlist so that you're not always going to the harmful songs that you have some other songs you can put on when, you know, these situations come up. 
How do you help parents do that? What, what I mean, what if someone's listening and they're like, okay, cool. How do I add in this new song? Like, what what should I do in that moment? I want this new song. And by the way, I, I just can't help but thinking that I think I still have this YouTube album on my iPhone that I never asked for. <laughs> I, I haven't gotten rid of it. I couldn't help but think, yeah, you know, I didn't ask for this album, just like I didn't ask for the experiences I had as a child, as we as not no one does, right? <laughs> How do we then get rid of it? How do we exist with it in the background? What's one thing that a parent should start doing today? Yeah, yeah. You know, the challenge is, you know, a lot of times those those uh, songs are going to be on that playlist. Um, and, you know, it's okay. I, you know, first thing I want to say is that, like, if those songs are still coming up on your playlist, like, that's okay. That's completely normal. Um, we just want to add some new songs so that way mm. when they push shuffle. <laughs> you and, remove the shame you know, right there, right? Because I know that's what parents do is it's the shame that shows up that says, oh, you went there again. Why'd you do that? You should know better. And we just berate ourselves, right? Right, right. Yeah. And it's, you know, and unknowingly, a lot of times as we're trying to break those cycles, we're also repeating those cycles and, and, and I see it a lot with perfectionism, right? Mm. We've like become aware and started to embark on this journey. And, but now we are using our perfectionistic cycle. Like, oh, I got to be perfect at this. I can't make mistakes. And again, that's that, that, that playlist coming up with those songs. If you're not allowed to make mistakes, is that okay to mess up? Um, as opposed to adding new songs, which instead of to answer your question, uh, some maybe new mantras of like, you know, mistakes are an essential part of the learning process. Mm -hmm. Everyone's doing their best with the skills, knowledge and resources they have access to in the moment, you know, uh, avoid being a perfectionist, being a provenist. And now if I were to break down exactly, you know, to even more detail of how to kind of uh, uh, add new songs to your playlist is one, you have to practice becoming aware of when those old songs are playing. Cause a lot of times it's just, um, you know, you just like, sometimes you're just walking around and you don't even realize you're singing a song that like, wait, did I hear that song today? Why am I singing? Like you don't even realize that you're singing the song. Right. And so the first thing that we need to do is become aware and be uh, and part of that is is identifying like our triggers and kind of what those songs really sound like and what our triggers are. Um, so when they pop up, we can be really familiar with them and just like, oh, he, that's this is one of those harmful songs playing. I need to be aware of this so mm -hmm. I can do the next steps. Right. So first is that. Second is take a breath, pause. I always say stretch your reaction until it's a response. Um, um, the reaction is going to happen in less than a second. It, it may still happen internally in your body, but you still get to choose on how, how you respond. And so it might take more time to respond, but you, you, it's, it, you know, another kind of one of those mantras you can say is like, this is not an emergency, like everyone's safe so that you can just really, you know, I'm safe. You're safe. We're safe so that you can really give yourself the, the, the grace to not immediately have to respond right now, have to react right now. Uh -huh. It's better that you take some time uh -huh. and so that you're going to respond as opposed to react. So right. be aware of it, breathe and pause. Um, and in that pause, you're also, besides breathing, you're also going to say some mantras. And some, and that's where you're adding the, 
different songs on the playlist. What are those mantras? What are those songs that you need so that you can be in a better position to be more helpful Mm. in a situation where you're triggered as opposed to being, as opposed to acting and doing things that are potentially harmful? Because in our reactions, a lot of times there's our huge potential for uh, inadvertent harm that we mm-hmm. can be causing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in our reactions, we're going to be more likely to just give them the same playlist that we have that we grew up with. And, and that's where we're not have- breaking the cycles, right? When we just keep passing down the same playlist without any modifications or changes. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and then recognize that like, you know, I have a choice. And what I do is because sometimes in these moments, it's like, one, we're not right. We we sometimes know we could become aware and we can say the mantras, but sometimes we're just still so kind of dysregulated. We still want to like choose the harmful, the default, even when we kind of know, ah, I should really respond in a different way. Sometimes we still make the harmful choice, even in our awareness. And so it's really just recognizing about, recognizing what our choice is in this moment. Um, And it's really helpful too. There's a whole other part of this conversation of just like, okay, well, what do I do in these situations? How do I respond? And you have to know like two big things that are really helpful for responding as opposed to reacting is one, knowing, kind of having those skills and knowing, like having the knowledge and information to, know what else to do in that situation because if you don't know what else to do like you know you can regulate and regulate regulate all you want but you're going to be rubbing you're going to be running into the same problem if you don't know what else to do and that's why a lot of times you know that's why we end up doing a lot of harsh things a lot of times you'll hear you know it's a last resort i don't want to do it but it's a last resort it's because we don't know what else to do we don't know how else to solve the problem like we don't have the skill there right yeah Right, right, right. And that's a lot of times what children do when they do the harmful thing, they hit or they, you know, either the name call, they throw something or whatever mm-hmm. they're doing that's not meeting our expectations. Um, it's a lot of times because they don't know what else to do. They don't have the skill to right. really apply it in the moment. That's really relevant. We, I was driving home last night with both the kids in the car and it's a longer drive, all the things. And my son does the spiral thing. When he doesn't, when he's upset about something, he spirals. We've moved past. It's not so much um, a physical part. Sometimes it is like he'll, he'll want to punch things or throw things in his room. Um, he won't hit his sister anymore. He's, he's just turned eight, but he spirals in his thoughts and he vocalizes them. And sometimes it's, it's really hard because it's like, whoa, where are we going here? And I mean, last last night, he it's a perfect example. He didn't have the tools of how to get out of it. And so I'm driving. I can't really give more tools while I'm driving. And he's going and I'm regulating, regulating, regulating. And then I just said, stop it. And he stopped. That wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't want to do that in the moment. I, ugh, it was so hard. And we got home and I knew right away I needed to repair. And I think like for me as a parent, I, I've come to this place where I'm, I revisit these hard spots and I look at how could I do differently in that moment? What skill is he missing? What skill am I missing? And then that repair for me is so important. That I think a lot of parents didn't experience as kids and don't know how to do, not just with their kids, but also with their spouses, and their partners. 
Yeah. And I want to be clear too. The goal isn't to be regulated all the time and to never make the mistakes. Mistakes are an essential part of the learning process. Mm, we all have that. emotions. Yeah. We all have emotions. Human. We're all going to lose it sometimes. Yes. And, you know, trying to be perfect is not helpful in itself. And I think it's more powerful when we are able to, you know, make the mistake and also show how we repair from the mistake, even more powerful than a lot of times than never making the mistake at all, right? And, you know, just remember, like, the goal isn't to be regulated all the time. Like, the goal is to be able to recognize when you're dysregulated and when you do make a mistake and then be able to come back from that, be able to, you know, start to self-regulate, be able Mm -hmm. to repair their relationship, be able to acknowledge and take accountability for your actions. And I think those, that's a way more powerful because all those things that you learn, because your children aren't going to be perfect either, right? They're new to this world. So they're going to be making a lot, a lot, a lot of mistakes. And, you know, they really do need, I think one of the most powerful things that we can teach them is how to uh, kind of repair after you make the, after you make the mistake. What to do after you make the mistake is so much more powerful than how to never make the mistake because it's unrealistic that they're never going to make mistakes. It's unrealistic that you're never going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the growth is too. Like that's a springboard for the growth is is in the parts where you repair and you say, okay, let's talk about what happened. I was struggling. You were struggling. You know, right. what can we do different next time? How, you know, what tools can we use? All right, let's practice. Like that is those moments of apologies and repair can be such a springboard for growth. It's this first allowing for mistakes, removing shame. You don't have to be perfect, but then actually talking about what can we do next time? That has been a big shift for both of my children and I in the sense of, okay, we've had this moment. Let's sit down and talk about those tools and strategies. And I can even remember before even... I don't know, I maybe my son was four at the time. There was door slamming. Cool, right? And you know where I want to go? <laughs> in my head, the dialogue was you slam that door one more time and I'm taking off the door <laughs> to my four-year-old, right? Um, but yes, the door is still uh, on the door frame. It has not been removed. <laughs> but instead, you know, we approach this as a, okay, let, here's a piece of paper. Let's write down the other things that you can do in those moments when you feel angry because it makes sense that you want to slam the door. And what else can we do in those moments? Which really is, I think that's really different in terms of, um, you know, some of the messages that we all received growing up. Yeah, and I would also add to talk about them, but then also if you try to practice them. Okay, mm. so let's roll, let's go through this again. Okay, so this is the moment, right? And it, and it can even be playful. It can be yeah. fun. It can be enjoyable. Even though there was this hard moment that we have, we have this tendency to want to dislike. Okay, like now they got to feel bad about what they did. The consequences got to come in. And yes, there are going to be consequences. And part of the consequences might be like, okay, like, all right, let's let's practice doing something different next time. Like that is a consequence, right? It's Okay, wait, hang on, hang on. Re- Sorry, we need to hear that one more time. Because the, this <laughs> is actually a hang up that my husband and I 
talk about. It's like, where's the consequence? Where's the discipline? But you're saying right there, that is the consequence. Right, right. And there's, there are, you know, for those, I'll try to uh, convince this, but there are, you know, there are natural consequences, there are logical consequences, and there are punishments. And a lot of times, we, most of us, grew up off of punishments. And so when we think about consequences, the punishment, really which is about, I'm removing something from you and you don't get to do something. Yeah. Or hitting, spanking. So punishments are also sometimes call them illogical consequences because they often have nothing to do with what actually happened. And there's no like, there's no like really teaching. So actually it's better for me to talk about what natural consequences and logical consequences are. Natural consequences are consequences that happen without our intervention. And those happen, you know, they run around inside, they, trip over the chair and they hurt themselves. That's a natural consequence. Now, you don't push out the chair so that they trip. That's not a natural consequence anymore. Uh, and just because you told them over and over and over again doesn't mean you put out the chair. No, that's not, you know, and then- Well, and, and then the thing too, though, is that we don't, because this is the thing, right? Parents then want to say, I told you, if you run, you will trip. So what we can do is uh, when it does happen, First, don't let that be the first thing of I told you so. First thing is like they're hurt. Give them empathy. Help like help them like like be there for them, right? And remember that it's it's not you versus them. It's you and them versus the problem. Mm-hmm. And you have to communicate that to them too. If you start off saying it's uh, like I told you so. See, that's why we don't run. You're just reinforcing this me versus you dynamic. If you start off with empathy and like I'm here for you, you're hurt. Let's like, let me like help you. Let me help you up. Let's connect. And then, right. Yep. Let's connect. And then, okay. So let's talk about what happened and you kind of reflect not in a way and let them kind of talk about what happened. You know, Mm. they still get the opportunity to kind of learn from that natural to kind of reflect and learn from that natural consequence without you robbing anything. And it feels more like you're on their side. Right. And you can, it also opens up more opportunity for guidance when you give the empathy first, when you connect with them first. Um, no one likes to get guidance from someone they that they feel disconnected from or they feel like that's not on their team. Think about the bosses that you've had. Like you're going to be more likely to really take guidance from someone who you feel seen, understood and connected by than the boss that you feel like just doesn't get it and doesn't understand it, just pushing things down without yeah. really seeing you or hearing you. So one, that's natural consequences. Logical consequences are consequences that are related. They are respectful and they're reasonable. And by the way, consequences are like the last thing that you do. It's not the consequences of the first thing we do. There's so many other strategies and things that we can do before we get to consequences. And we don't want to just rely so heavily on consequences. That'd be the crux of what we're doing, right? And so maybe they're throwing the ball inside, you know, then redirecting like, hey, you can throw the ball here. This is what you can do. You know, you, there's lots of other things. There's visuals you can use. There's lots of strategies you can use. Because let's say that they're still throwing, they're just bent on throwing the ball inside the living room where the bases are and all that good stuff, right? You don't want the natural consequence to happen of a TV breaking or a vase breaking. So you implement a logical consequence and you say, hey, uh, so you're having a hard time uh, keeping the ball in the playroom or playing with the ball here, then. Um, we're going to put the ball away and we're going to try again later, right? It's not, we're going to uh, take the ball away forever. 
And you know, the ball's going in the trash, right? Where we have a tendency, you're never gonna play outside, you're never gonna play with balls again. Like, this is not reasonable. You know, sometimes we'll say, you know, go to timeout and think about what you did. You're not listening. Uh-huh. To me, that has nothing to do with the ball, right? Mm. Um, and respectful too. It's just we don't need to yell at them, we don't need to come at them like harshly. It's we can be confident in what it and what we're saying and kind of with our assertive tone and feel confident about the boundary that we're setting. But it's gotta be respectful. If you wouldn't want to be talked to like that by your boss. Why are you talking that way to your child? Um, you don't have to, you know, come in with an aggressive tone. So reasonable, related, and respectful. And it, natural consequences are the best way to learn. They're gonna we're gonna learn the most and the most deeply from natural consequences. Now, logical consequences will only help children practice new skills that they already have. That's why we don't always go straight to like consequences because, you know, no matter what consequences you give a two-year-old, they're not going to be able to sit still for 40 minutes, right? Unless you traumatize them, unless there's some like deep trauma there, Uh, right? Um, So logical consequences are really more for to really kind of motivate children to use skills that they already have. And even there, we have to be you know, careful because, you know, a lot of times we'll say like, oh, I've seen you do this skill once so that you have this skill all the time. Right. I really think consequences are honestly, for me, I always say that consequences are one of the hardest skills to actually use and implement because, you know, we have such a huge tendency to kind of power trip with our consequences. Mm. And now punishments or also illogical consequences are ones that aren't related. They're not, they're, they don't meet those three conditions of related, respectful, mm-hmm. um, and reasonable, right? So go to your room and think about it. We're just kind of forcing them into isolation. That mm-hmm. does not help them learn a new skill. There's like no conversation. It's just, I'm going to make you feel bad for what you did so you don't do it again, but it's not. I'm going to help you uh, uh, find a better, more appropriate way to do this thing that you're really trying to do. Um, And so I always, because consequences are the hardest, you might see, I don't know, probably listeners out there won't see, but I have this green band to remind myself, it says consequences on it, um, to remind myself to just really be uh, aware and because it can be, especially when we're dysregulated, we can very easily go into punishments or having our consequences not be related or them not be respectful or them not be reasonable. And so I keep this on my wrist just to remind myself uh, just to not power trip like Mm -hmm. most of us adults have a tendency to do. And you're using the visual reminder, right? So it's right there. You can see it. It's that reminder there, which, which we need. Um, We all need those reminders because otherwise the emotional brain takes over, right? But yeah, I think this is so important what you're talking about because power, power is one of our core needs, right? We need to feel like we have freedom, control, power. And if we're, oh yeah, that's just really tricky in that parent-child relationship, right? That's we're not supposed to be here to control our children and to shape them into who we want them to be, right? How many of us grew up with that message? Be a good boy, be a good girl. Yeah. And power really comes 
that's the thing about power, the people who are really powerful, and you think also about people that we, even like in history that we like admire, are they're people who are able to stick with their values even amongst the adversity, mm-hmm. even amongst all the challenges that were presented. And the people that I really see as powerful aren't the people that can exert their power over a child and try to control someone else. The people that are truly powerful are those who, who are able to control themselves mm-hmm. and to and and know that power really comes with, from within. A lot of times there's this paradigm shift of, you know, if a child isn't meeting our expectations, then, you know, the what we were taught and what we brought up that is more force needs to be exerted on the child to kind of keep this child in line right. um, and and to control them into what we, you know, want them to do. The paradigm shift is instead of thinking like, okay, this child isn't listening to me. I need to be harsher. I need to exert my power more. The, the shift is maybe there is some information or maybe there's something I'm missing here. Maybe there's a way that I can grow. Maybe there's something that I can do in a way that I can connect and reach this child that I'm not uh, currently able to do. Maybe there's some information I need to get. Maybe there's a way I need to learn. There's maybe there's a way I need to grow so that I can, so that we can both be successful here. Um, and that's a, such a huge paradigm shift um, that if you're able to make, it will really take you to a lot of places of growth. Mm, yes, that is powerful. Okay. I, I, this is a quick question, but it's not a quick question. Yeah. What's the difference between attention-seeking behaviors and connection-seeking behaviors? Mm. Well, attention-seeking behaviors, really, it, there is no difference. Like, it's when they are seeking attention, it's what they're really seeking is that human need that we all have for connection. Mm. They what connection with us, right? Now we will talk about it and we'll call it attention-seeking behaviors because we look at it as like this negative thing that children are trying to do. And we see it as like, oh, you're just trying to get attention. Like, oh, you just want attention. Like it's it's this child who is seeking a human need from you. And because it's not being met, because they're not, you know, able to get it or they have this need. They'll do all sorts of things. They'll ask for connection in a lot of uh, hard to deal with ways, right? Because they're not getting it. And a lot of times what we will have a tendency to do is respond or react by, you know, you want attention, so I'm going to not give you attention. So you stop asking for what you need, as opposed to seeing it like you really just need connection. And so let's find ways, more appropriate ways for you to get connection, right? Can we set up a way? So, with- sorry, I'm so good at interrupting. I apologize, but yeah, I'm just, yeah, right. So so let's think about this. Why do we have this knee-jerk reaction to want to turn away from the attention? A child needs attention, but part of us is like, I'm not going to give that to you. And so when I put my therapist hat back on and I'm sitting with adults, it, I'm... Am I surprised? No, I I spend a lot of time in therapy saying to people, you're looking for attention. Of course, that makes sense. Your partner is off doing something else. They're on their phone. They're playing games. They're at work. 
and you're trying to get their attention. You want that connection with them, right? And it's kind of this, a lot of people kind of go through that, oh, well, isn't attention bad? No, this is a basic need that we all have. But I just want to connect that back to, isn't that interesting in the parent-child relationship? We've got this knee-jerk reaction to want to turn away from it. Yeah. And, you know, in those situations too, I imagine a lot of people have a hard time uh, figuring out how to ask or even communicate uh, oh, that yeah. they need connection, yes. right? And right. We do all of the other things. We do all the other things like, oh, your socks are on the floor again. That's my, that's my go-to, right? But it's like, you know, we can <laughs> nitpick at all this other stuff that comes from, I don't know, we could, let's, let's even throw these words in there. It comes from our ego, right? Our ego is protecting us. Uh, and like, oh, I'm not feeling close to you. I'm not feeling important. So I'm going to like pick away at all the other things. But what's underneath that is that desire and longing to feel important, close and connected. Yeah. And a, and a skill that we also weren't taught as children of how to like communicate, communicate our needs, mm-hmm. right? And communicate you know, what's not okay with us and how we'd like to be treated. Um, And when we're in relations with people, we have to communicate these things because it's different for different people. People, different people have different needs. And, you know, uh, I think that's, that is the downfall of a lot of relationships. And, you know, you you think about what we're taught as children of like, yes, you're just, you're just wanting attention. Like, and then it's, we say it in a way as like, as, oh, so I'm going to dismiss you because you just want attention. And so we learn that like, okay, getting attention or trying to get attention, really trying to get connection must be a bad thing. And so I need to feel kind of embarrassed or ashamed or it's not okay to ask for this, mm. right? And so now we have our adult relationships that right. we're wanting attention. And we go to the same kind of patterns that, you know, something, and then we'll act out our emotions, right? And sometimes we get, we have a tendency to want, sometimes get aggressive. Or we'll be passive and we'll, you know, you know, we'll get, we'll get aggressive and we'll start attacking the person who'll say, you never blah, 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 blah. You, you know, you don't care about me. And we just go to straight kind of like attacking or we'll go to, or we'll go to, you know, passivity and we won't, maybe won't say anything and we'll just like screw up until, Mm -hmm. right, right. We'll shut down until, you know, it's that passive aggressive flip-flop of we're like, okay, now we're passive. And now like to the point where bubbles up and then we blow up now we're aggressive or we're passive aggressive, like you know, you're saying like with the socks kind of thing. We'll just we'll be passive aggressive and kind of you know try try to communicate in a roundabout thing, but not really communicating clearly what we're struggling with, mm-hmm. right? And what what we what I teach parents to teach children, um, and what we also have to learn too, because you can't. It's going to be very hard to teach a skill that you don't have that you're not practicing, is to communicate you know, the, the practice skill of assertiveness. For children, it might sound like, hey, I don't like it when you uh, take the toy from me. Please ask for a turn. Or I don't like it when you um, take my toy. Or I don't like it when you push me. Please push me more gently, right? I know you, we might've thought that I was going to say like, please don't push me. But sometimes children do want to be pushed, but they just want to be pushed more gently, right? Yeah. Again, all these different kinds of needs that we have that mm. we have to be able to communicate. Now, for an adult, it might sound like, you know, that we practice that as children, you know, for an adult, then we may be able to say, hey, you know, I don't like it when you come home and the first thing you do is you get on your phone 
can we please have a moment to connect before mm-hmm. you get on your phone? And now this evolves. And as you practice, now I did it exactly like use the same kind of script that we would, you know, use for a child as they're learning, but that evolves, right? And, you know, the language doesn't always sound the same. And as we grow and as our skill grows, our language can evolve. But at the very basicness of it, it's, hey, I'm struggling with this. Hey, I'm not okay with this. Will you please treat me this way, yeah. right? And that opens up so much conversation rather than mm-hmm. if we start the conversation with, you know, you never, you don't care about me. You don't pay you attention never. to me. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. You're um, always on your phone. You don't think about right. me. Yeah. Oh yeah. All the things. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So, um, the same things. It's so funny working with children and working with adults because it's like, the same thing that children struggle with are the same things that adults struggle with. Yes. Um, yes. And every time I see yeah. one of your posts, I'm there with my couple's brain on, uh, my couple's therapist hat. And I'm like, yes, right. Or if I do a script um, in my stories, this one often show up. So I'll, I'll tell people, okay, here's how we assert ourselves. Here's the boundary. Empathy state the describe what's happening state what you need and people are like well i talked to my kids this way now you want me to talk to my husband like he's a kid no we want to use respectful assertive communication because at the core of all of this are our attachment bonds right we're in relationship with people it's us and and this full circles where we started where you had said at one moment it's not you and the kid against each other It's us against the problem. And that's where we want to be in our parent-child relationship and also in our co-parenting, our partnerships together, right? It's us. And yet so often we can't sit there. Okay. I didn't hit any of my questions here, which is amazing because I I just know people are going to get so much out of this conversation. But where can people find more about you? You can find me on... TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, a little bit on LinkedIn, a little bit on YouTube, um, and type in Mr. Chaz, M-R-C-H-A-Z-Z. I pop up all those places. I also have a podcast, Mr. Chaz's Leadership Parenting and Teaching Podcast, where I introduce you to people that can help you on your parenting journey. Um, And those are the places that you can find me. And by the end of the year, I will have an online course teaching you about all these skills um, and how to do them uh, uh, and how to teach your children these skills so that you can start to kind of break these unhealthy patterns of behavior and learn to just enjoy the process of of parenting and of just of of all the relationships that you're in. like these skills that we talk about that I talk about, like we're teaching children, they're also really powerful for just all your relationships. So it's, it's, it's some really powerful stuff. This is just a little small taste of what you would get with the course. That is going to be fantastic. Please let me know when it's out and I can update the links in the show notes so that everybody's going to have access to that. Mr. Chaz, thank you so much for your time today. The time is one of our most precious commodities. And so I'm always so grateful when people can sit with me and with everyone who's here on the podcast. So thank you for joining us. Happy to be here. Glad to be here. And hope I help some people out there. See y'all on the internet. (laughs) Bye. 
Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. See you next week. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.